I was talking with someone last week, and the subject turned to death. And, and as we talked, um, something about this person became very clear to me. Uh, though she was herself close to death, she was not afraid to die. She had the unmistakable evidence of what we sometimes call inner peace. And when a lot of us think about our Christian faith, that's one of the first things that comes to mind, having a kind of an inner peace. So in one of his other letters, Paul talks about Christians having a peace that passes understanding. So that when the, when the storms of life are raging, and, and God knows that the storms can rage, right? Having inner peace is one of the chief attributes of a Christian. But now here in Ephesians 6, Paul has actually a very different expectation for the Christian life. So he describes the Christian life not as a peaceful, calm in the storm. He describes it as a war, a battlefield, a struggle with a powerful enemy bent on your destruction. Now, I'll be honest, at, at first, this language kind of puts me off. Okay. Um, so by personality, I'm, I'm pretty moderate. So it, it bugs me when liberals talk about conservatives uh, waging war against women. Like, please. Okay. Um, or, or conservatives compare President Obama to Adolf Hitler. Like, really? You, you lose a lot of credibility with me if you use the language of warfare to describe anything except warfare, okay? Um, but then here's Paul, and he is doing exactly that, okay? So he's speaking of the Christian life in the language of conflict and battle. And it's definitely extreme. But the more I thought about our church community and the challenges that I know some of us face, the more I thought, okay, maybe this language actually kind of fits. So I know that some of you struggle with sins. Um, so maybe it's like laziness at home or it's like a pridefulness in your work. Or maybe it's like an addiction that's, that's just threatening to just rip your life apart. And you know how powerful the devil's temptations can be. And you know how plausible his lies can sound. And you know how quickly... We want to take the path of least resistance and avoid conflict. 
Some of us struggle enormously. And yet, for others of us, I, I would bet, uh, I would bet the Christian life seems, seems like kind of no big deal. So, go to church on Sundays, maybe not every Sunday, but, you know, like, maybe more often than not. Sure, like, some of your friends probably think your religion is, like, a little regressive or maybe a little prudish, but, but most of your neighbors and coworkers and classmates in a city like ours aren't going to think it's that weird to be a part of a church. I mean, even a, the, the mayor of our city is a Christian pastor. And then even when we get to church, right, I, I try to talk to you guys a lot about grace here. Uh, so this is not like a, like a beat yourself up, like yell at you to like, get your life straight, like kind of church. Um, so you could come here every week and you could sort of see your friends, people you know and like. You could sing some songs. You can hear a sermon. Sort of take what you like, leave the rest, and just kind of call it good. I mean, our biggest struggle sometimes is just, like, getting the kids ready to be here. And so Paul's language of striving, struggle, fight, wrestle, strain, that, that challenges me. I mean, sometimes, I think if I'm honest, I'm, I'm so complacent in my faith. So just relaxed about the status quo. So unworried about my sin that I can read Ephesians chapter 6 and think, like, why do these people need armor? I mean, I'm doing fine. And so I think probably some of us need a little more struggle in our faith. I mean, it would be good to strain a bit, to, to uproot sin in our lives, or, or work. I mean, sometimes it takes work, work to get to know the Bible, or, or push ourselves, push ourselves to, to learn to seek the Lord in prayer. You are not denying grace if, if you're trying hard. Paul says, if you're a Christian, you need to suit up. When you are seeking to follow Jesus, the devil is going to try to mess you up. And, and the devil is no pushover. You know, I, I, think, it was, I think it was maybe C.S. Lewis who said that one of the, the best tricks the devil ever pulled on us was, was to get himself depicted as like this cartoon with like horns and a tail and like a pitchfork thing. Right? So we just dismiss him as just ridiculous, as a joke. He's not a joke. Our sin is not a joke. It is a battle out there. And so in one sense, Paul here is telling us appropriately to prepare to struggle against sin in our lives. To strain to be more like Jesus in a world that is Constantly trying to get us not to do that. But there's another aspect to this.
combat that I want to talk about. So one of the things that struck me about our passage was verse 12. Paul says that, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world. And when I hear that our struggle is against rulers and authorities and powers, well, I'll be honest, so scholars have about half a dozen ideas of what that's talking about. And and I'm not sure. But it made me think of some of the sins in our neighborhood and our church that I would call systemic. Okay, So sometimes when we talk about sin, we're talking about it like with an individual, like, oh, like he, like he struggles with gossip, you know, or she struggles with greed, right? But sometimes the, the sins of individuals, like over a period of time, sort of have a way of working together to be much bigger than any one person, okay? So when I think about our struggle against principalities and powers, I think about, for instance, uh, racism in our judicial system in this country. Okay, so like I learned last month that uh, drug use rates are almost exactly the same in our country uh, between uh, black Americans and white Americans. Um, but black Americans are locked up at rates like way higher than, than white Americans for drug crimes. And that's, that's chilling. Um, I also learned that when, uh, when judges are up for re-election, so, you know, we elect a lot of judges, when judges are up for re-election um, and the race is close, uh, one of the things that they've, they've studied, they've studied this, they've, they've learned that when they're up for re-election and the race is close, the, the judges tend to give harsher sentences during that election cycle. The idea is like they, they want to look tough on crime or something. Now that's, I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, now, but who's to blame for that? Right, it's complicated, right? I mean, is it the judge? I'm sure the judge isn't consciously thinking about it. Maybe it's the voters, right, who, who want their judges to look like they're being tough on crime, right? I mean, issues like these are like bigger than any one person, right? We know that something is wrong, but it's not always clear like, who or what exactly is to blame all the time. And, and there's a lot of things like this. Okay. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? It's, it's this system of sins. And so we as Christians, you know, like we huddle together and like we plan our counterattack. So we think about like the root cause of the evil in these systems, and some people in our church are really good at thinking about this, um, and so we come up with ideas uh, to work for things like, like better schools and uh, and good jobs and stronger families. And you know, so one of the reasons that I'm a Christian, one of the things that I love about the Christian faith, is that I think Christians can and should get involved in, in all those kinds of issues. Okay, so family stuff, education stuff, justice stuff. Um, those are not liberal or conservative issues. Those are Christian issues. Okay? 
But at the same time, as I read Ephesians 6, I can't help but notice that, that Paul sort of steers us to a certain perspective concerning these principalities and powers. So I think it's possible that sometimes we can think of the church as like a, like a political advocacy group or like a, like a social work agency. And don't get me wrong, I love social workers. Okay? Um, uh, Christians should often resemble social workers. Um, we got a lot of the same tools, right? We can feed the hungry. We can pay someone's rent. Uh, we can write letters to a senator or show up to meetings. We can vote. I, I think that's going to be part of our struggle. But Paul here reminds us that as Christians, we have a very particular set of tools. Paul says that in our struggle against the principalities and powers, we have tools or armor, he says. Like verse 14, we've got truth. Or verse 15, we, one of our tools is that we have a gospel that declares peace between us and God. Or verse 16, one of our tools, it's faith. Faith. That's a tool in this struggle. Or verse 17, salvation. Or verse 18, the Holy Spirit. Or verse 19, prayer. And when I take an inventory of the armor Paul tells us about, I'm reminded that people in our community, like we need, uh, we need dignified work, and we need adequate health care, and we need good education. But do you know what else we need and our neighbors need? We need a good suit of what looks to me like very spiritual armor. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Indispensable. Uh, we need to actually like, know His good news and know His, his Holy Spirit. Like, again and again, I have been reminded that the, the biggest change in a person's life comes from a, a saving encounter with Jesus. All right, so is the issue that you're looking at, is it, is it selfishness? Is it uh, addiction? Is it racism? Is it a messed up family? Like, nothing, nothing kills selfishness. Nothing builds a family. Nothing disrupts addiction. Nothing gives hope and confidence and stability. There's nothing that transforms a life and from there, a community, more than a saving encounter with Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes I, I say stuff like that and I worry that I'm, I can be over-spiritualizing things. Right? And I get it, right? Sometimes a person doesn't need to hear about Jesus right this minute. Like, they're starving, they just need a meal. Uh, they're homeless. They need a home. Um, but I also think you can probably just as easily over-materialize something. And it's probably more likely in our culture, right? Uh, we can act like our biggest problems are, are political or social or economic. 
when we know that the root of it all is sinful human hearts, like, like yours <laughs> and mine. Like, like a, a broken relationship with God has this uh, ripple effect. And like it, it ripples out and it messes up all these other relationships and all these other systems. It just wreaks havoc. And so what we need more than anything is a Savior to change that most important relationship and from there, you should expect every other relationship to change. So please don't get me wrong, okay? Uh, the, the racist judicial system that's just wreaking havoc in our community, like, that is worth writing a letter to your senator about. But you better believe it's also worth praying about. Paul says it is a spiritual battle. There's no doubt about it. But there is no one that is better equipped to face that challenge than a Christian covered by the blood of Jesus and suited up in faith. Therefore, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God's that after everything, whatever, whatever might come, whatever challenges you will face, after everything, you will be able to stand in the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, uh, for those of us experiencing this life and our faith as a struggle, as a battle, Lord, I pray that you would help us to suit up in your armor, that we could be reassured in our faith, that we could have confidence that we've been reconciled to you, uh, that we could know intimacy with you through prayer. Um, Lord, I pray that, that that armor, those tools would be at our disposal as we live this life of faith in this broken, hurting, sinful world. Lord, for those of us who maybe aren't experiencing trial or struggle in our faith. Lord, I pray that you would give us a desire and a passion to pursue you, even if it becomes difficult, even if it becomes challenging, or if we encounter hardship, Lord, uh, sustain us even through that. And finally, Lord, I pray that you'd give us great confidence that you are the one who will win the victory in this battle, that, uh, in fact, you've already won it, that the long-term victory is assured, but Lord, we pray that you would come quickly. Um, there's still so much darkness, so much evil that we face in this world, uh, and we are so eager for you to turn everything right. So Lord, we pray that you would come quickly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.